<laughs> I hope that makes it onto the pod. Shh. Okay. He did it right. Yes. I hear music. I hear music. Sam pressed the right button but for did once. But did he hit record? Are we recording, Sam? You two <laughs> oh, are going to oh, be the oh, end oh, of oh, me. Oh. <laughs> hey, but we are know, recording. Okay, All great. Right, good, good. Well, welcome to E-Talk Repeat. It's going to be another fun Friday. This Friday is a little different. We've got a special guest. In studio. <laughs> In studio. Yes. All dressed up, too. With his <laughs> very on brand today. <laughs> so, for those of you who follow us on Insta, you know there's a little pushback on last week's Michelin Guide tasting menu discussion by Chef James Trees, who Absolutely. we love here in the Arts District and Tivoli Village up Crowd at Al Salido Posto. I know. So he's joined us, Chef. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's uh, good to walk around the corner. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, now, now, Chef, we're going to shut you up for about five or ten. No, minutes. No, 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 Chef. You oh, can we're chime gonna, in. We're, oh, we're, we're going to let him chime in. in. You can talk oh. if you've got if you've got opinions. We want to hear them. We're not going to muzzle you. I we'll muzzle Sam, but not you. Let nah, me tease before we tease. You've teased Michelin. Let me tease my pet peeve of the week. And I've got just the guy here today to enjoy it with. My pet peeve of the week will involve pasta. And having Ooh. James Trees and I debate, I think we're going to be simpatico on a lot of stuff. I, I but, think we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, 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 well, the shocker of yeah. the week. So <laughs> hang in there for the pet peeve of the week when we talk about pasta fails all over Las Vegas. All right. To start it off, let's quickly go through our recap of where we've gone this week. We're going to do things out of order. So, John, you've gone to Monzu and Hassalon. Give us your rundown. And you told me to be very quick about this. Be quick. Okay, We've got right, a guy right. here that wants to chat about important things. You mean I can't bloviate and, no. and bluster as usual? No. Good gosh. Okay. This, <laughs> all right. Well, I, I just to you know, uh, folks, uh, fans, that when I sat down, Ash said, you can have, give one word reviews. One of, word. Of, yeah. You can't do one word reviews. You can't do one word it's reviews. But if I had to do a review of Hasselon, it would be, my one word would be criminally expensive. Really? Uh, oh, God. It was for vegetables. There's for, no meat? No, there's meat. I mean, they, they got meat on the thing. I'm, I'm, I have the menu in front of me. I just want to say that the food gal and I went, and uh, they're very nice. They kind of recognized me, and they sent a lot of freebies after the. We probably had about at least a dozen things, maybe 14 things, and about four or five of them were, were sent out gratis. A lot of them were vegetables, and... and uh, I was uh, kind of on a little detox myself, so I had like a single glass of wine and some club soda, and our bill still came to five hundred dollars. Right. Wow! And for five hundred dollars, I could eat at the Esther's Kitchen four <laughs> for times <a> week. <laughs> for, for a week. Yeah, twice. Yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lunch and dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, Hasselon, they do do vegetables well. I will give them that. They they are trying to elevate them. I hate that term, but it kind of works here. And I was I was impressed with a lot of the vegetarian dishes I had the the hummus, the beetroot, the okra. But everything is there. They're charging twenty five bucks for for okra. I heard okay. it got weird. Yeah, 
I heard the place gets weird. It gets really, really weird. They tell you when you sit down, and we we got there the second it opened because they at six a six p.m. And uh, as soon as I sit down, a, a waiter comes over and looks at me. He's a young guy, and he goes, "Have you been here before?" No, not him. He goes, "Well, you know, uh, sir, I want to warn you." And I went, what, "What's going to come? What's going to happen? Do the, do the strippers come out at seven thirty? What happened?" He goes, "Oh, we turned into a party." And he didn't say it like he really enjoyed the fact that the place turned into a party at eight o'clock. And they start they start cranking the music at seven thirty, and for an hour and a half we had a very pleasant meal uh, in terms okay. of uh, ambiance and and food, but then you can see it becomes uh, what I call a lot of forced fun. I think James uh, chime in here. You had a great great uh, comment about what they do there. Yeah, I mean it's sticky. It's not like the the, you know I had a really mediocre experience at Hasselon. And I will tell you right now that the service staff is not into the idea of what they're doing. Ooh. Yeah, and, and I, I it got makes that vibe. It feel awful. You're uncomfy. Yeah, yeah. It makes you're you just... feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If it was 1 o'clock in the morning, yeah. give me that vibe. Yeah. But at 8 o'clock in primetime dining hours, yeah. everyone loves a 730 reservation. Right. Yeah. Right. Guess what? Yeah, they crank up. They're the music. cranking up the music. It's like it's like it reminded me of like. So you should fits. go there on a first date. If you don't have a lot to talk about, you can just sit and no, no sound. And, and, and no you're, you're, you're a very shallow person, and you want to be around very shallow people and not have a conversation. <laughs> by all means, there's your pro tip for the day. On yeah, the yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah, go early. Yeah, seven. And it's weird music. It's not I, it, the music they played was like what I call stoner chef music. I mean, you know, Jimi Hendrix and you know, lots of seventies and sixties. Uh, you know, yeah. oh, oh, Guns N' Roses and, and then randomly throwing in a Motown tune and things like that. I mean, it was, it was just, just poorly weird. programmed. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not thought out. And I mean, like, you know, I think, you know, I know you hate music in restaurants, but it, it, but here's the thing is like what you really hate is a lot of noise in restaurants. At Esther's, what you get is a lot of people talking. Yeah. Right. And we add the music just to balance that. Like I've never with, noticed the music in Esther's, and, that's and he goal. does, and I'm always yeah. going, if anything, it's just chatter. Right. Well, I, I notice yeah. the noise level. I, James is right, though. I notice both, but I kind of notice the noise level yeah. more than the music. It's together. It makes me and my other middle-aged or late, late middle-aged friends, we're shouting as far. I'm yeah. only about three feet from James right yeah. here, and we're screaming just to say, you know, how did you like the carbonara? <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Gotta, but I mean, that's just an old guy talking. No, no, but you, but you're also right because you know there are different levels for different vibes, right? Like if you want a party vibe, turn the music up, but program it appropriately for the guests that are in the dining room. Yeah. If you're doing six o'clock and you have people who are uh, yeah gray hairs, right? Yeah. Why are you playing? Right, right, right. Guns and Roses. Yeah, yeah. Right. Why are you playing Motown? Read the room. Yeah, yeah. Read the room. But the problem is that no one does that. So we use a service out of New York called Gravy. G R A Y V dot com. Okay. They are sound designers, and what they do is they come up with the playlist. It's completely ambulatory, so it never goes up and down, right? And they change it every single month, and they add and subtract, and you can kind of customize it. Wow. And they do all the Ace Hotels. They do the Dream Hotel. They do uh, a lot of the cool little spots in New York. And so we use those guys. And Steven Starr uses them, and that's the reason why we use them is because I got to know their music and how they do everything. They literally, they program, you'd send them pictures of your space, Mm -hmm. the vibe that you want, and then they build the playlist. They send it to you before they start. 
I'm going to send them a picture of my see, house. See, I remember when we were making... It's like we're turning on the stereo. <laughs> see, I remember... <laughs> yeah, I see, I'm sorry. Here's your Spotify. Whose playlist? Why can't we but go there back is a to, the old to mixed, the old mixtape days? Okay. It, it's what it is. I mean, it really <laughs> but is. It's, it's, it's with data. It's a smart mixtape. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. I, I didn't right. even know uh, that was uh, a thing. Okay, okay next, well, well, okay, next okay. up. So Hasselon, beware. <laughs> you like vegetables and are willing to pay for them, but boy, you pay through the nose for okra. Okay. The other one... The other one I've, uh, I went to, I had a light, I was, I was out in Southern California this week uh, on some business, and so I didn't get out as much. Went to Manzu last night, and I've always liked Manzu, but I think it's better than ever. Yeah. I mean, he's just, uh, James complaining really? about the pasta. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They have, gosh, okay. uh, before I even get to the food, they've revamped their wine list. It used to be a single page. Yep. I mean, Gio Moro basically wants to do all Italian, which I've always respected, at a very gentle price point. It's nothing mm-hmm. like strip markups. I mean, he, most of his stuff is well under 100 bucks in price to sell and very well-chosen wines. And now he's got pages and pages of it, you know, broken down, you know, Piemonte, uh, uh, Sicily, uh, uh, Toscana, and all that sort of thing. And uh, just knocked me out. The wine list knocked me out. The, he's, got, he's expanded his menu. He's doing Genovese pastas, which James can uh, chime in in two seconds yeah. here. And uh, it's just a great restaurant that's gotten even greater. I mean, Manzu, and I didn't have pizza last night because I, I just wanted to try out some, some of these Genovese pastas, but I was everything on that on the menu to me is tremendous. They were really busy, and uh, Manzu's, if you haven't been, to me, it's, it's certainly in the top five local Italian restaurants. In I agree. And doing yeah. things so differently, it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah. So what do you think of the pastas, James? All right, so Gio is doing extremely traditional pastas, and he's doing them on purpose. Like, he's not doing gussied up pastas. He's not adding cream to things. It's literally the exact opposite of Nora's, which is kind of weird because they're mm-hmm. yeah. the same family. <laughs> same family. <laughs> exactly. But, um, like, the pasta that we're talking about, the Pacchiardi alla Genovese, like, that is straight from Naples. It's the Naples style of the Genovese mm-hmm. pasta. Like, when we talk about this thing, we say, you know, Genovese, everyone thinks Pesto, everything's basil, everyone thinks pine cheese, nuts. pine yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. It's not that. Like, this is a dish that's very traditional. It's a veal and melted onion ragu, and it is served almost dry. Yeah. yeah. It, it was kind of a, it was sort of shocking to me. It's like they just kind of put a little little sprinkle of this ragu. Now, it's yeah. not a little sprinkle. It's a lot of meat. Yeah. But, but it's not like a saucy sauce on it right. at all. And, yeah. and and when you're in Italy, it's it's really weird because, like, the more expensive the restaurant, the more meat you get, yeah. and the less cooked the pasta is. So they'd be like, seriously, it's, it's, it was super weird. Like, like you go to a place and it's pasta alla genovese, and it's eight euros, and it's more onions and just a tiny bit of meat. And then you go to the Michelin star restaurant and it's pasta alla genovese, and the pasta is crunchy, like crunch, crunch, crunchy. Right, right. Wow, Michelin real star al dente, real. Like as so in dente your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so and then you get way more of the meat than you do the onions. I personally enjoy more onions. Yeah. Like if you're going to do cucina pavara, do cucina pavara. Don't do. Yeah. Don't try gussi- to don't bastardize yeah, 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 it or yeah, do something it up that, yeah. for the rich people. Yeah. Don't add caviar to my avocado toast. Kind well, of you thing. can add it to how mine. About, how about <laughs> gold leaf to your steak? You know, how about anything? Uh oh! I wish a, people could I, see I, it. Though. Oh my god! I just saw Chef's eyes roll, roll out of his head. Steam came out of the ears. Yeah, we saw that. Oh, Everybody man. knows that like gold leaf there's, makes there's things a guy taste who better. Sells golden steaks, and I'll tell you this about him: he wears glasses because he can't look you in the eye for what he charges oh, for. Oh, <laughs> shots fired! Shade. Okay. 
Okay, so that's my little quick rundown. Hasselon, don't bother. Uh, Manzu, run, don't walk there. Uh, So for me, Los Los Arcos Birria and Taco Shop, love that place. I am always Maryland Parkway. It's right. It's right next to where I get my smog checked on. Yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) Pretty. It's just a taco stand. It's Sarah. yeah. No, it is Sarah. so good. Okay. Okay. So that's my little hole in the wall Don't spot. Think about the, 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 the visual of, of little, totally, you know, completely pristine, well dressed, well coiffed female lawyer Ash Watkins at a taco stand in the wrong part of town. It's, I just it's love a that. Stand. It's, like, it's a, no, it's a, it's a restaurant. I mean, but it's it's not. They've been there about eight years. Yeah. Okay. And the secret menu item that you want there Uh-oh. is the birria empanada. <gasps> See, I knew I should ask you. Here's the, the thing: bir- is I live at Dine Eastern, so of course I go there. Birria empanada. There you go. Okay, this Pro is tip. Maryland Parkway and what? Like Sahara. Sahara. It's like literally like it's like where the Planet Fitness is, and it's the next. Street. Okay, all like right. Literally all right, like right across right. the little thing. Well, like I don't even venture to that part of town. I'm still surprised. No, it's on does. the wrong side of the freeway. For I know. You. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, give me uh, convenience yeah. or give me death. And then I went back to double, <laughs> to Double Zero Pie and Pub. Yeah, they're good. They are fucking good. Yeah. And here's the deal. Pizza is a personal preference. Some people will love and put Monzu's Roman-style puffier pizza at the top, that's fine. It is an excellent pizza. It's got a great pedigree with a dough program. They're taking it seriously. It's just not Domino's, or it's not Yukon pizza, and it's not double zero. So you have to be – for me, it's – I look at what are they doing, are they taking it seriously, and how does it taste? And so last show I was like, Yukon and Double Zero, I think Yukon still edges it out for me. And then I left Double Zero and I go, they're just different to me. Yukon, I'm not going and sitting down, I'm not getting this cool Japanese almost izakaya vibe while eating pizza and drinking wine. Yukon's a takeout spot. It's fantastic for Yukon's, what it is. Yukon still feels like a food truck, even yeah. though it's bricks and mortar. It, it really does. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a compliment. Almost. So yeah. I I went back to Double Zero and I love it. I think you if you go there, you will be very happy you did. There's the, the, anyone that says it's not good pizza, that's just a preference thing. Well, it's it, you know, a lot of people push back on the char, on the crust, you know, on the wood-fired char. I I push back on the jardinier on the on the, the Diavola. Uh, Diavola pizza. I do, and but I Mike Vagnine and I are friends. I mean, yeah. I, I'm like me. I, I I'll give it to him and I, you know, he'll push back and we just argue about it and you know, he, he likes it that way. I think it's Mike crazy Michael dull. is <clears throat> Michael is an amazingly I apologize. I'm not voice ready. Um, it's okay. Uh, Michael is an amazingly talented uh, creator of food, like yeah. in general. Like his harissa is the best harissa I've ever had. Like oh, he, he sells that. Does he it? sells it at Erewhon yeah. in L.A. I've heard yeah. this. So, so by all means, like you know, take it for what it's worth. He's an amazing creator of food. Pop up pizza is the most underrated pizza in the city. The one in, in the yep. plaza. The plaza. Yeah. The slice uh, trunk. His New York there is. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite New York in the city. Wow. Like, yeah, straight up. Because okay. it has, like, that New York street vibe. It's got the crisp. He nailed that, right? He, he's not going for fluffier. He's not doing natural fermentation. He said, I want to make a New York street pizza, yeah. and that's it. It's, it's really Pop good. Pizza. You know why I don't go there, very, even though it's just out of the block from my office? You know why I don't go there much anymore? 
I, this is what a fucking prima donna I am. Because okay. you can't you, no, because they they used to have they used to have the doors that opened right off of the. Uh, oh, of you have Main to go Street. through the casino. Now, now you have to walk down an extra like you know hundred feet and then walk back through. There the you casino go. Convenience store. This is so I mean, you know. John Curtis right oh, here. Oh my so gosh! <laughs> and chef, your pizza you've got right. I don't know if it's still oh, on the, the menu. New the, one, sausage the new one. The uh, The sausage and pepper one. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, good. Yeah, and it's a sausage and pepper pizza. It's but it's uh, okay, the but, way but, we do something we I just feel like we touch food in a different way. Yeah. I didn't make that pizza. My team created that pizza and we did it as a whole. Because it's not about me at the restaurant because, as you notice, I'm here. I'm not working lunch. So for me, it's about getting my team yeah. involved. Okay, well, we we're gonna geek out on pizza or on pasta in a minute, in a little okay. bit. Okay, okay, so, so we'll save it. Let's let's save our all of our Italian food stuff okay. for like okay. a, ten minutes. So minute. you don't have a new blog article on eatinglv.com. Yeah, you You're know, getting lazy. Things, You're getting I, lazy. You know, as I like to tell people, those things don't write themselves. Okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it takes a lot of work. Uh, I'm gonna update. I'm probably just gonna do for by the end of the year. Uh, my 52 essential restaurants, and, and since the book doesn't publish anymore, I'm probably just, I'm I'm thinking in that direction. Okay. Just doing as I've always done with the book the, for the 10 years I did the book. It was always the 52 restaurants. If the ultimate foodie came to town, chef or foodie right. or somebody came to town, or a, a big city food writer, what are the 52 restaurants I would take them to? That's that's how I think about it. So that's I fair. think by, by the end of the year, sometime. In, in November, probably mid-November, that's going to drop. I anticipate so, Newsroom so, to be and, at number and, one. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> um, so even though you're not blogging, you did post the Fountain Blues restaurant list. Anything on there that catches your eye? I'm not going to run through it. There's like There's 30. 30-some 30, 30 restaurants. So you know. uh, The two I'm excited about yeah. are the, are the uh, Evan Funky from uh, uh, yep. from L.A. coming. Just saw him last I week. know. Yet uh, Another Italian restaurant. No. Okay, but I'm willing to give this guy a look, even though it's revolutionary and it's uh, inspired by his home cooking and his passion for Italy and his grandmother's <laughs> recipes and all the bullshit that they throw at you every time someone opens okay. another it Italian sure restaurant. Isn't. Uh, well, it sure isn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, Evan's a friend of mine, and I'll tell you right now, he's an amazing cook. And But how is it different? Here's the here's the reason why it's different because he's gonna serve you food that you would get in trattorias in Rome. Mother Wolf is based on the idea that Rome was birthed from a wolf, oh, yes. right? So Mother Wolf is his Roman concept, right? It's not Felix, it's not Funky, it's not his old restaurant Bucato, which is where I really where his first Italian restaurant was in uh-huh. Culver City, which I ate at probably seventy times. Wow. I'm a huge fan of what he does, the way he handles product. But what he's doing with this is it's going to be a menu of standards. He has artichokes a la Juja. You know, who's doing that in town? No one. Right. Nobody, right? But I guarantee they'll be on his menu and they'll be the best version of. He's doing, um, he'll do the carbonara. He'll do the cacio. He'll mm-hmm. do the arrabbiata. He'll like that. That really is that whole catechism he's just going to go through the whole roman catechism that's what mother wolf that's what that concept is and i think it'll go over really well the 510 hospitality group that he's working with um george pagani's son is the player in that so you guys have known george you've known george for 25 years since his uh michael mina days his son was our was a busser yeah. At, at, at uh, Aqua before it was even Michael yeah, Mina, yeah. he became part of our team. He was Look the one this. who taught everybody, and he's literally worked his way up from busser to partner in the restaurant group. Excellent. So, I mean, like, you're talking about, like, you know, these are people who actually, like, 
Pagani has, yeah. you know, roots here in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Well, for those who don't yeah. know, I mean, George is now the, I mean, he, he was, I think he was at Bellagio yeah. for 20 years. We and started then, the same day. Really? What? Uh, oh, yeah. Really? We were in the, we were wow. in the same uh, orientation class I'll be in 2001. Yeah. And now, now he's the GM at uh, Scotch 80 Prime. <laughs> Okay, yeah. he runs Scotch Aid Friday. Look George, at all this history. George, George history, is a, a real pro, and, and yeah, every, he's he's kind of a pro's pro when it comes to running yeah. restaurants. He's but that is the good. most that's the most exciting restaurant, and then and the Patrick other, over at Patrick going to take over the the steakhouse there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's going to be killer. It's killer. Okay. And, and yeah. the other thing, of course, is Contramar from Mexico City. Yes, which okay. is one of my favorite restaurants yeah. in Mexico City, and that's a to me that's a I mean nothing. Evan Funky's not a get. Right, but bringing uh, the first version of of Contramar out of Mexico in the United States, it's going to be interesting because remember, Pujol came here and was only was in the wind for well, about eight minutes. By COVID, yeah, I, he got well, he uh, got screwed by a lot. I'll of things. also push back on that, but uh, Gabriella had a couple of restaurants in L.A. as well. She did, yeah. Yeah, in Santa Monica, she had a couple of different deals going on for, like, the Contramar. Uh, the, the, oh, oh yeah. she did. It was very short-lived. It was in Santa Monica. There okay. was another one. And then, like, it was, like, a hotel group. And then they were, like, stopped working together. Yeah. But but that chef is another just, I mean, that's an amazing get. You're yeah. right. Right. The Contramar, just so you know, it's sort of the Mexican seafood version of Peter Luger. <laughs> okay. And that's a, we, <laughs> My mind is going uh, yeah, yeah. wild. I mean, it's a big menu, and it's it's very convivial. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of known for their rude waiters. And I've eaten there a couple of times. And their powdery soul. And then, uh, no, no, the, 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 the Mexican seafood is, is top-notch. And they're not rude. They're just gruff. And they always have a twinkle in their eye. It's yeah. just, it's one of, it's kind of a shtick, but yeah. a nice one. Yeah. Okay. I remember when we were doing the whole Branzino at Esther's and we did mm-hmm. like half of it with the green salsa verde and the other half. Yeah. Like that dish was based on their signature dish at Contramar, which they do two different salsas, right. one rojo, one green, and then they grill the fish. Verde. And, yeah. 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 Rojo. Con- you con- went with rojo. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so like that, like, for me, I'm, that's my Spanglish. That's kitchen Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it's like half the word. Yeah, and you're like, I'm going to go with <laughs> yeah. rojo, and then I'm going to go with green. But yeah, because my my brand is like you know. So, so let me let me give you a, a quick. Uh, 36 new restaurants coming into Fontainebleau. Another little trivia thing, because my my buddy Oliver, uh, I'm friends with him on on Twitter. Good good guy. Um, he 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 put it out on Twitter a few months ago. He said. When um, Aria and, yeah, we and, did and, this. And yeah. we, did, we do this. How many, yeah. how many restaurants opened? How many? Three. Three out of twenty-four were left after ten years. The Mastros, uh, Carbone, or no, something. Carbone is no, no, no Carbone's new. It was John George Steak. There John you go. John George and Julian Serrano. Julian Serrano. Serrano. So I'm only saying that as a cautionary tale because these hotels always open with well, with huge lineups and the attrition can be – and with a lineup that huge, there's going to be some serious attrition. Yeah, I and think. you're you're already seeing that at Resorts World. You're yeah, already yeah, seeing yeah. new stuff. I mean, yeah. what did I just read? I was the first one out of Resorts World. Oh, you were? <laughs> yeah. You started the I Exodus? Literally the oh, because you had the, the I had little, little – I had a little Italian sandwich shop there. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the Italian sandwich shop in a – Far East Asian, yes. like night market, that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you learn to say yes and then you learn to say no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm excited. Though. I'm excited for Font Blue uh, opening December 13th, I think, or 15th. Um, two yeah. other openings in town Junior's Cheesecake of New York City. Uh, in Resorts World, it's going in across from Springs Ray. Eternal. Okay. Well, I just, a- I'm a. I'm a cheesecake slut. I love it. And Junior's I used to pass up birthday cake. Give me cheesecake. I don't want a real birthday cake. So I'm kind of interested. I've never been. And then we are getting L.A. friend, a Norm's Diner. What's that all about? Uh, Loaded loaded hash browns. 
So in other words, it's it's it's, it's, it's the, Waffle House. It's the meal you don't like to eat, which is breakfast. Yeah. Done very cheaply and at a quality level, just above IHOP, but it, it feels good. So it's it's like, yes. it's a West Coast Waffle it's a, House. It's an elevated Denny's and IHOP, and okay. it's twenty four seven. It's, it's no, a no. lot nicer than yes. it's not angry like a Waffle yeah. House. Hey, right? Hey, come <laughs> on. Those toothless waitresses at three a.m. can be very friendly. Yeah. And okay. I like the you know it's got a cool architecture style. So I'm yeah, a no, fan. The I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, they are mid mod. Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah, they yeah. own some like the one on La Cienega. Yeah. Is like a national, like historic, art, yeah, historic yeah, monument. Wow. So we're supposed to be excited about Norm. You are excited okay. about it. John. All right, fine. Thank no, you. no. <laughs> it's not, it's, here's the thing: is like if you were even in LA, you wouldn't choose to go to Norm's. Yeah. No, it's the it's place pro- you end up at, and you're just like, why am I here? And it's like, I'm hungry. I'm probably drunk. It's two thirty in the morning. Food. Yeah. We have right. so many better places. I yeah, know yeah. we do. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not excited about that at all. And uh, yeah, that is that's the one that's supposed to be going Charleston on Charleston in my hood. Yeah, yeah so and, I read and, and old Applebee's or something, right? Yeah, they oh, I, are they doing that. Yeah, <laughs> right near Valley Valley in between Decatur and Valley View on Charleston. Yeah, yeah, I read that they're going into an established restaurant so they can open quicker, and they're going to use it kind of as a test tube. You know, like a petri dish to see how it works, how the market receives it. And they're thinking strip. It's This is the first one outside of SoCal for them. Well, it's a couple miles from my house, the, that location. But it's not the most restaurant-going neighborhood, and I'm being very euphemistic. Yeah, it's right next now. to a Raisin Cane's. And yeah, yeah, it's just weird. So anyway, we'll see. All right, okay. do we want to take a break before we get to the big throwdown? Yeah, big throwdown and coming up. Main event. And we haven't heard from Sam at all. I Which, know, I don't he, know. He, he, he might have left. Seriously. <laughs> Well, you know, when it starts with insulting me, uh, you know. Yeah, he's got a stick as an alligator, let me tell you. Yeah, I'm just, um, you know, if you guys need me for anything, let me know. So we're going to take a break right now. So if you could cue the outro music and then we'll. No, we don't do outro music before the break. We don't? I don't think so. (laughs) So you know what? You used we're, to. I think the the standards. No, of the I mean, show you know what? Dropping. I'm just done with you right now. So we're doing. We're going on break. Damn it! And you know, if you really want, damn out from music. Sam's gonna have a a Bill O'Reilly moment. Fuck it! We're going live. We're doing it live. <laughs> Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Hey, we're back. We're back. I'm girding. Can you feel me girding my loins and strapping in? I can see in? you doing that, actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't like a girded John Curtis. <laughs> it's the girded gastronome. Has- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sit back and listen to the fur fly for a minute before I chime in. What do you mean the fur is flying because of you? You're oh, yeah, the one I, who, It's your fault. I know, but I want to hear... Your crankiness... Uh, we we caused got us into this. Yeah, the ornery gourmand has struck. <laughs> All right. So last week, the reason Chef Trees is here not only because we love him and adores restaurants, but we talked about the New York Times article regarding the Michelin Guide and how it's changed, and now it kind of goes for a pay to play where you've got cities and tra- uh, tourist boards. boards. 
submitting giant sums of money to the Michelin Guide to get them to come to their town and review it. And John had some words, and Chef Trees had some own words to push back. So we're here to we're here to duke it out and maybe declare a winner. Um, I think the nutshell of your argument, John, was that it's now changed. It's effectively a Yelp, and it's using this former elite brand and the consumers will lose yeah right well they've, they've been, I, I, as I, my two points were to quickly re, re, relate them um restate them and they've inverted the process it was always a very very which for 110 years respected because of the rigorous process they invoked and that it was consumer a consumer guide first and foremost yeah and now they've turned that on its head and now it's basically they've turned it into a publicity machine for restaurants that was my point number one my point number two is as um whenever you pay somebody to review you yeah james please please pay me people always accuse me of being paid by restaurant please pay me a hundred bucks john yeah <laughs> please pay me a hundred bucks to come in and the review your restaurant <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think i'm gonna say if I, if someone pays me to review your restaurant. Now, and when you do it, just because you do it to scale and it's a, a, a city or a state, it's Orlando or it's Denver, or it's LA, whatever, and they're reviewing, you know, 150 restaurants, that doesn't mean that the thumb is on the scale and everybody's going to start getting Michelin stars, Michelin stars, Michelin stars. So, wait, 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 look, we can all go out and get free publicity of how great we are when we're really not being evaluated the way we should be to get that sort of consumer information that is worthwhile. I should have known when Michelin stars started trickling into Orange County, California. I should have known the process had changed. I mean, if you don't think Taco Maria is a one Michelin star restaurant, I think you're incorrect. Oh. And here's the Well, re- we've got personal yeah, disputes. I, I know. They have one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, before we – poor Sam. Sam Erjoski, yeah. who, by the way, is our, our fearless leader in all this. Please weigh in, Sam, before I yeah. say anything Please. else. No, Taco Maria, you know, he, <laughs> oh, he, he makes good food. He's he also does. out of business now, so. His service sucked, though. And that's part of the Michelin standard is service, and I hated the okay, service there. It's not. It's not? I mean. <laughs> it's not. So the way Michelin works is you get one star for cooking. You get two stars to add service. You get three for the whole package. That's well, that's really, why I didn't get two. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is, but you know who is going to get two is Walter Mansky. And anyone who, who knows Walter, who's one of the best chefs in California, who never got Michelin stars. And he had Republique, right? He was the chef at Bastide. He got four stars from the L.A. Times. The thing about Michelin is it's not about marketing. They actually don't care. There are only five restaurants that got stars in in, uh, in Denver and the surrounding areas. Don't get me wrong. There are, there is that part where tourist boards are paying for it, but what they're paying for is to pick up some of the cost of actually going to the restaurants, which is so they can be marketed by the tourism boards and the restaurants themselves. Which is fair, but we just paid eighty million dollars to ruin our traffic to do F one. What would be a half million dollars to Las Vegas to have them come and actually go and try some restaurants? I don't think it's a big deal when you're talking about how they get there. If there are here's the thing, if there are restaurants that are worthy, they should get stars. If there are no restaurants that are worthy, don't get stars. But you can't elevate dining without that being part of the equation. The reason why Esther's is what it is is because I have a local business that's a neighborhood restaurant. Mm-hmm. Okay. John wants me to serve squab. 
Why aren't we serving squab? Why aren't we serving squab? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Because people don't buy pigeon. <laughs> right? And well, it doesn't there's matter also if I not, not enough tweezers in your restaurant. We need more tweezers. Uh, and, and here's the thing is, right? So, so, so for my part, I have this thing against tweezers because, because it slows people down. And what I like to do is serve people hot food. Yeah. In the best Michelin star restaurants, in the old school restaurants, like La Mer Brasier, which we both love to fucking death, Chef Matthew doesn't use tweezers. He just cooks. Where did the tweezers come from? The tweezers came from Spain in from from Spain in about 2005 on. And it got really, really oppressive for about 10 years. And I think people are getting away from it. There's still some tweezer food like E by Jose Andres mini bar, which is same with foams. Foams and the same. They were on the same path. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, so like when we went to Disfrutar, right in in Mm. Barcelona, two Michelin stars, it is all about cooking and service. They haven't completed the package. They're the number two restaurant in the world. They don't have three Michelin stars. Why? What's the third star? It's it's it has the to whole. be worth the journey. It has to be. It, so oh. it's like it's like worth a stop, worth a trip, okay. worth a journey. Well, here, Got it. That's okay. the way they kind of market like, it. But really, it's food, okay. service, okay. journey, the whole thing. Here, here's here's where my here's where my my, yeah. my good friend is so wrong. And tell I, us, I, I, John. I, I mean, I'm sorry. You're so full of shit, James, about this. I mean, okay. I mean, you are still grounded in the idea of the Michelin of 20 years ago when they actually had inspectors out there with rigorous standards invoking those standards to judge the food. It is not that at all. They do not pay. They literally have people sitting at computers now looking at what everybody else is. Look at Eater Vegas or Eater Denver and looking at, you know, the, the Denver Weekly or the, or the Colorado Today magazine or who got the most publicity and who got James Beard votes. That's what they're doing. They're not evaluating these not. restaurants. You are living in the past, my friend. So, so I mean, it is just they, a publicity vehicle and that's all it ever they, will be. All right, so here's the thing. is like, So do you believe that uh, June and Juliet in uh, in Southern California, who's run by Eric Bose, who was a chef who trained under Alain Ducasse for 15 years. Do you think that his food is not Michelin star worthy? I never have been. you heard of it. No, you ever heard of Cali Chef Kevin Meehan, one Michelin star in, in Los Angeles? Is he is he pumping up his Michelin star stuff? Is that how he's getting people through the door? No, he's cooking, and every single ingredient on his menu is from California, including all the olive oil, all the... All so the what's your point? Rest. That they deserve stars? That local media sucks, and we need the Michelin Guide to step in and draw no, people no, to... No, but, but you guys is are that... both wrong, because local all, all they do is use local media to decide who's worthy. Okay, wait, do it's we... It's just like the, the world's <laughs> I mean, it's 50 like, best... It's like, it's like getting a short list. What you're uh, doing is you're saying that they're... they're right, so, so they're using... Everything else to create a short list to go so they're not wasting time. Right? Wasting time? They don't have inspectors. Wait, you know they they're not have, going to these restaurants? They, they could not possibly go to these restaurants. How? They, because to, to rate all the restaurants that James says are worthy, and I, I trust you when it comes to food on this stuff, yes. uh, to rate these restaurants, they would need dozens, if not hundreds, of inspectors eating in these restaurants. They don't. They've got a, they have a handful of people who just go to a few, and if they hear from James or hear from somebody, well, you should go but to Evan. it takes them all year. What? So Michelin one? has 50 inspectors in California alone. They wow. Do, they do not. Yes, they, they do, do. Oh. not. They do not. They are not paying and, 50 people. And 
this year they moved some of their people from Germany to California and <gasps> moved some of the California people to Germany. It's That's an how invasion. they do. They're on a rotation. Uh-oh. No, no. They're no. on the a Germans. rotation. Yeah. They're <laughs> on a rotation. You can pick them up. But do like, Germans understand SoCal cuisine or food in general? Yeah. It's real easy to know you're, who they are if you know what they're looking for. You're saying there are 50 dedicated yes. people full-time going to restaurants uh, five days a week all the time in, in California. That is, How do I get this gig? Absolute bullshit. Five days a week, one uh, time a day. Yeah. In, order, out, in order to get a Michelin star and retain a Michelin star, they have to come eat in your restaurant at least once after three times before. They don't, they don't hand out the Michelin star being like, yeah, here's your PR award. Do you understand what he's saying, though? His, the, the numbers immediately was saying this. So he's talking about one Michelin star gets four visits from restaurants with all the restaurants in California that are being no, raided. No, no, the, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is first they come, and once a place is like on their short list, then they have to come with three inspectors. They can eat one time. But they all have to agree, and then they go to the roundtable oh, and make where, sure. That where are you getting this information? This is from the president of Michelin. Of course, of course. That's He's so, buying the Kool-Aid. He's sipping the Kool-Aid. That, <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. That, that's the way they did yeah. it 20 years ago. Well, I imagine that's, the that's what the, yeah. the millions so, so of dollars. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. now, now instead of sitting around table, they do a Skype, and now no, it's no, different. No, what they do now is they do this. You think that, you think that these one-star restaurants get four visits from Michelin? That is No, that it's, is, it's four, it's four individuals. One, and then three, and then they have to be reviewed every single year to be able to maintain their stars. They you know, probably you know, only have 10 restaurants in California that make their shortlist to go to. There's, dude, there are so many people. Now that they have the ability to win stars, chefs will try to achieve stars. Because oh, I don't God. know. Here's the thing is, yeah. when, when I was growing up, and I know a lot of chefs, like we looked at places like Le Mer Brasier, El Bouli, right? Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. I love him to death. I, I love him as a person. He is a three Michelin star chef. If you've ever watched the guy cook, if you've ever worked with the guy, he he has it. And he'll never lose it. Because that kind of level of training isn't mm-hmm. like the guy making pizza down the street. Yeah. Right? And and I and the other thing about the Michelin is that chefs want the ability to achieve that. Yeah. Right? It's not most most Michelin star restaurants <laughs> you still don't make money. Like like here. Oh I, yeah, Taco Maria's. I check this out. When I when I redo Esther's into a thirty seat fine dining tasting menu restaurant, that's yep. Guess what? It's not going to make money. It's not because you're not in the business of cooking that kind of food to make money. Right. Are you good, James? James. I, I just I, I'm still shocked that you buy, you buy the bullshit because if if you have let's say a hundred restaurants a hundred restaurants in California that might be one star worthy that you're telling me that four people have to agree on that that's four hundred meals right there mm-hmm. just for one star restaurants that that is. Uh, that you you multiply that by all the other restaurants that they're trying to des- trying to decide whether to give a star for, which let's say is two or three hundred more. You're talking about you would have to have literally uh, literally three hundred people combing the What's state. Their fil- it's their full time job. Well, it, it is their full time yeah, job. I mean, but but, but th- these places are open morning, noon, and night. 
You don't. You have a four hundred meals have to be four hundred times a place has to. I think yeah. it's doable. But I would. I would like the Michelin by, Guide by to fi- come out and do people is say 50, how many they're restaurants. German. They're German. They're efficient. <laughs> they're uh, so efficient. I want to hear and big. They're people. big. There's, they've got. There's they've not got fifty. There's probably six. Okay. I'd be curious to know how many restaurants they go to. I want to know that number. I want to know this. Thank you. This is the amount of restaurants we visited, and of this 500 or 200, just a 200 number, we have selected four restaurants to get these awards. Exactly. They don't do that. They come out and they just say, these restaurants get it. And I'm like, are are they the only ones you went to? Was there four others that didn't get it? And that's the thing is, like, this is the thing that I don't understand that is not processing. The reason why Michelin needs money. Is because obviously you're 100 percent right. The advertising, like wing of the uh, of that of that business is gone, right? So now mm-hmm. they did do some partnerships with Nestle. They did do some partnerships with um, with chocolate companies, stuff like that. I don't use that chocolate. I don't use that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not what I'm not going to use Nestle Quick in my fucking food. I'm not going to drink their <laughs> shitty water, right? <laughs> but here's the thing: you need those people to help supplement something to keep it going. I don't think it diminishes the value of it because the world has gotten bigger. 50 years ago, there was also half the people on the planet. There was also a quarter of the restaurants. Dining out has become a whole different kind of thing, right? And for us to be able to achieve levels of excellence, we need to have those awards in order to push that. You want Squab? Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, you want you want an uni dish and have it be pristine, Michelin star restaurant. Well, another that's another way you're living in the past because the whole tasting menu thing is so 2010. Yeah. Okay. And, and here's the thing: is like, and you think that? All, right, so, so, and here's where I disagree with my wonderful friend John Curtis. You can't ask chefs to cook food that 99.9 percent of the people don't want if you're not willing to be the 0.1 percent that goes and eats it. Ooh, yeah. So you can want all these things. Why don't we do this? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that anymore? But because, I am the guy because ninety nine percent of the people don't want those things. Yeah. So you, you so you is that to- what a tasting menu does? It kind of forces the palate of the diner to like. Here are three things that you would normally probably yes. might order, and then there's this one thing that I, as a chef, yep. want to cook, and you should fucking yes. know about. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I would do two Michelin star in um, in. In Italy, called Torre de Saccarini. Okay. Right, and I thought this was an amazing way that they put together their 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 uh, their menu. Basically, they give you a choice of six, nine, or twelve courses, and then they say, "Look at the menu. If there's things on there that you definitely want to try, make sure to let us know so that way we can highlight those and make sure you get the things. Mm-hmm. And then we'll fill in the rest." Oh, so it's like an yes. omakase. So it's kind of like yeah, but you know you want tuna. Yeah. Right. I want my otoro. Right. There are a few dishes on that menu that were so interesting and so awesome, and you would never think that they're going to be on a two Michelin star restaurant. One was a, um, a fish soup, right? A super simple fish soup made with 13 different kinds of pasta that were kind of like individually yeah. cooked perfectly and then put into the soup. So it was like his grandma's soup made with all the leftovers of all the pastas, right? Very, very traditional, very thoughtful, elevated to the highest level. If I'm going to a two Michelin star restaurant, I'm not ordering fish soup with pasta in it. The other thing was he did a basil risotto with sour plums, right? The basil risotto was incredible. Then you mix the sour plum in it, and you can see the chef's expression of, like, what he wanted to put on the plate being special. No one's ordering those dishes. 
otherwise. Otherwise. So this is the chef kind of forcing you. That's uh, that's my and, point. It's the tyranny of the chef. Why don't you like it? It's I mean, not, you should. Why? I, I, because I because I don't want chefs telling me what to eat. Okay. Let, let, now let me give you all. Let me school all of you about tasting. Menus, okay. 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 Tasting menus used to be called degustation when you were yes. when you were still playing in sandboxes. They were no, called no, degustation. I, I worked at okay. La Berna Den when we had a degustation menu. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well the, yeah, and, and that started like in the this started. Be nice, John. I know he's getting aggressive. You should see oh, it over here. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> I mean, this, I, the, uh, first of all, I can't get over it. It, it, It's such a publicity cash grab, and he still thinks it's worth merit. I can't get over that. But but leave that on the shelf. Uh, the Gustavo menu started back in the 70s, and they were around. And uh, Thomas Keller uh, opened his his French Laundry to great acclaim in 1995, mm-hmm. 1996. And, the I mean, the li- literal ejaculation of the American press over his 12-course tasting menu, which went on for years, uh, suddenly made everybody go, well, we've got to compete with that. And, and, you know, he won Best Restaurant of the Year. This this was now late 90s. Fast forward to 2005. Grant Ackett opens that loathsome Alinea in Chicago, and he just expands it, and he gets gobs of publicity. And and on, on parallel tracks, you have Farron Adria, Ferran Adria, uh, in uh, making a huge splash in 1998, 99, 2000, 2001, you know, with El Bulli. And suddenly, every chef in, a, in the world goes, from Tokyo to Stockholm to Buenos Aires, goes, well, I got to, like, just, you know, I'm going to just decide I'm going to serve 14 courses of what I want to serve here. Because that's what Thomas Keller got famous for, that's what Adria got famous for, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly, within a span of about 10 years, every upscale restaurant went from Come in and tell us, here's what we're cooking tonight. What would you like to have, To, I'm going to tell you what to eat, okay? And, and that, that is a, a, a recent phenomenon. Well, I don't blame and, and it. it really is just, and the chefs love it. It's, fair, crit- the, it's fair criticism. I don't blame and, and, the tasting and, and, menu, though. No, no, the chefs love it. You know why? Because they don't have to respond to anything. Because they're telling you what to eat. Okay? Well, eventually that's they'll have to respond to their true. bottom line. Yeah, uh, they'll true. go out of business. <laughs> but I, I believe, look, a bunch of food it's that people the same, don't want to eat. It's you the same shit restaurant. with caviar and truffles and yeah. all of that. It's like, oh, that well, sells. And so, no, so no. <laughs> I think I think some it. chefs you should trust. It's like when I go to a sushi bar, I go and I do sit at the bar and I do the omakase experience. I let the, I trust that chef okay, to feed okay. me what. So there's certain chefs that warrant a tasting menu, and then there's certain no, chefs uh, that fucking don't. Oh, it's so your your issue with taste? No, you're you're just buying the bullshit. Again. I'm not. Okay, you are. Okay, so 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 I am. You know, I, let me tell you what you. See, I need Sam to chime in. Let me tell you what you want to eat today, sweetheart. Occasionally, yeah. No, right. So so Some, we have to. So we have to. Let's dial it back for a second. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best show ever. <laughs> well, and Sam's You're, not talking. Sam's like, I'm just looking at this. It's a yeah. He's I'm, got his popcorn. Sam, all right. So think about it like this. I could not have opened Esther's and done a tasting menu because Why? because number one, you don't make any money at it. Okay. Number two, you're cooking for a very very small percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is the thing. Those diners want to dine. They're celebrating something. They're doing something. Like, if Esther's was all birthday parties, we'd be closed, right? We created a restaurant for the community, Mm -hmm. right? Now that we have some things and we kind of settled and people do trust us, do we deserve the opportunity to cook what we want 
for you to enjoy. You do. Do I? Because according to to John, I should never be able to have that option. No, I think I... But here's the thing. is like, if you want esters and you want to eat that food, absolutely. That is not my background. I am not an Italian chef. I was born on the east side of Vegas. I grew up idolizing Michelin star restaurants and saying, how do you get to that point? And the way you get to that point is you do the restaurant that allows you the opportunity to cook for those people. Like, I would love to cook super high-end food for you. I didn't go work at the Fat Duck in London to cook pasta. Yeah. Right? Chef Trees wants to do a tasting menu. But here's yeah. the thing. Is, but here's the thing. Is like, he but, come just for John ago. Curtis. But, but here's, where John, here's where John is 100% right. <laughs> tasting menu restaurants have this thing where you have to balance, and this is a Michelin thing, and I don't agree with it. You have to balance the French and the Japanese. And what he hates is... Useless truffles being thrown on things, so caviar being dumped on stuff for gold, no reason. Gold leaf. Gold leaf on stuff. That's, <laughs> that is the combination of Japanese and French cooking. That is the intersection that I hate. I hate it. And I don't like it, and I don't think it's right. Yeah. Right? That, and you're 100% right on that. Yeah. And, they, and here's the thing is people who played the Michelin game have to do those things because they think that they have to do them. Because they think that's what the 1% right. wants. But yeah. here's the thing is, what people really want is those lovable, amazing, chef-driven restaurants like La Mer Brasier that we mm. both love. Right. And it's run by an MOF, mm-hmm. yeah. which is also a fucking publicity stunt. What's those an MOF? Little- milieu, of, uh, milieu de France, which is, a, which is the highest artisan a, craftsmanship award yeah. you can get in France. It's basically oh. saying you're a master of your craft. And it's not just for chefs. They have them in carpentry and painting yeah, yeah, and everything yeah, right. else. But it's a big fucking publicity stunt by the government of France. Right, to show off their great, chefs. Yes. Yeah, so you see those chefs with those little red, white, and blue bands around yeah. them? They're MOFs. They can only wear that once they've gotten that award. Claude uh-huh. Latoique, who won a James Beard Award in 2011 here for Joel Robuchon, yeah. I has one. Has and one. he yeah. had one before because yeah. he was the chef at Jamy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, here's the thing is like so so like when you talk about like these things are being publicity stunts and these things being marketing, what this really is is like has a chef earned the opportunity to serve you that food? And if they haven't, they will go out of business. Right? Mm-hmm. And if they're not good enough, Michelin will not recognize them. And that's a fair criticism. It's the reason why we push ourselves harder and we work sixteen hours a day and we do all this stuff. Right? At the yeah. end of the day, these are professional awards. It'd be like if you guys went through law school and couldn't get a bar card. <laughs> there are people out there. Yeah. But yeah. some of them don't cart, deserve right? the bar I card. I think that would be yeah. fine. Bar cart, yeah. Nick All right, Sam, yeah. Sam, what's your, what's your I, take on I'm going to say this to you, John, and I'm, I'm you know, I, I think there is a place for tasting menus, and I think it's a different type of dining experience. And in my life, you know, I'll tell you, like, as, as a comfortable dinner go-to with – my family, for example, much rather go to Esther's than to go someplace that, that gives me a you know a prefix menu. I don't I don't want to yeah, I get that. But I do have I've had great meals in restaurants that have the menu. And I also will tell you that I've taken my kids to these restaurants and what's great about it is it forces them all to try something different that they normally wouldn't order or wouldn't sure take. Yeah. And it's expanded their palates. And made them more worldly and, and sophisticated, quite honestly. So that's a, it serves a purpose. And, and occasionally having a chef tell you, try this, 
is a little bit like you know when you're when we've all been younger and our parents have said no trust me try this and it doesn't matter you'll li- you may not always like it but it, it might also expand your horizons seems very measured approach to so our- this is my defense this is my defense of oh, yeah. tasting menus james james has dr- driven home i think the idea you know, the, the, we're really talking about a really tiny percentage of, of restaurants and, which is and, all and michelin star uh, restaurants should be yeah, it's yeah. a very, very, very small percentage yeah. of it. Yeah, right? but you know, but they go to Tokyo, and I went to Tokyo right after the Michelin Guide came out, and yes. they were handing them out like confetti. Okay, because so, and and don't tell me they had fifty people there going to every ramen bar in no, Tokyo. No, no, no. no. Here's it would, what, here's it would take you. an army to do that. Michelin, and I and I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to disagree with you at the same time. Michelin standards. And Japanese service literally aligned perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so yeah. when you really look at like what they're serving, like it's precise, it's consistent, and the service is insanely good in Japan. Right, and, and all, that is and, and, exactly what they want for Michelin yeah. stars. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a fucking ramen spot that just tonkatsu ramen with four seats, and you're going to go there, and they're going to put this bowl of ramen in front of you, and you're going to be like, you know what, Silver Lake ramen is pretty fucking good. <laughs> well, I guess to wrap up the the argument, Michelin <laughs> Guide, we all agree to disagree on how it is. I think there, I just want more transparency from it all. And I, I have to, I, rather than James and I going back and forth about yeah. that, that, that was the most cogent comment. If they were more transparent about their methodology. And if they had gone would, to a city. End these kind of debates. Too. And if they had yeah. been paid to go to a city and they said, sorry, thanks for the million dollars to go here, but nothing warrants a star. I would love to hear that. Yes. I would love to hear the amount of restaurants that they go and they look at. They go to. And, the, yeah. and yeah. to compare it with what actually gets a star. So but they I th- never they never tell they. I know this they is why should. It's so suspicious. They never tell you that except in these bullshit press releases that they're Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm so so there's also other things in the Michelin guide besides stars. Okay. There's oh, also the bib gourmand. Yeah. And there's also the plates. Okay. So there's also so here's the thing is like in order to get a plate, they have to have come to your restaurant. In order to get uh, a bib gourmand, they have to have come to your restaurant, okay? Right. In order to get started, so like here's the thing: is like they're not like taking best of list and then just printing it and handing out these the the Michelin plates. That's not what they do. Like, and that's yeah. and that's the thing: is like it's fine, and you could say like, oh, well, they didn't eat here or there, but like bib gourmand, like I believe that if we really hit our stride, Esther's could be a bib gourmand. But it is under, in our hearts, if that I helps, know, but in our but stomachs, in, but in. <laughs> Reality, <laughs> Esther's is not built to be a Michelin star restaurant. No. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's fu- and, and, I mean, that's and fine. And it's better for it. And yeah. It's, it, it, right. Because, like, and here's the thing. is like it gives us creative freedom, allows us to cook with the seasons. Like, there are so many different little rules with Michelin mm-hmm. in order to get that star that you have to follow that it you either play their game or you don't get the opportunity. All right, well. Right? And here's the thing. If they pass you up, you can call the president of Michelin and ask him why. Oh, here's the thing. Like, you know, when, when chefs are really trying to get that second star, they're like, what do we need to improve? Maybe and we should start giving out stars. Here's the thing. Is I think one of the ETR worst things. Stars. I think one of the worst <laughs> things that ever happened was reviewers stop rating restaurants. When, when Irene Verbia got called out at Red Medicine. Yeah, by my friend Jordan Kahn, and they blew her cover, even though everyone knew who she was. Yeah. Right? Sherry. Yeah. yeah. Like, here's the thing, man. Like, yo, I, I get it. 
I get it. Like reviewing restaurants is hard and you want to be liked. But how many two and a half star L.A. Times reviews did you read? Yeah. So many because it just got yeah. complacent. Yeah. Right. And, and here's the thing. is If something's bad, let me know it's bad. Yo, think about my restaurant. Every single time that I hear a piece of feedback about one of your dining experiences, we change your dining experience, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. You want to know why? Because we actually care about our guests. We actually care about our customers. Now, if we were getting that from a national view, maybe that would make us better. Yeah. Right? But meanwhile, I'm getting calls from my friends saying, I'm on the bus in San Francisco taking the Muni, and these guys right next to me are talking about Esther's Kitchen and how awesome it is. And I'm just like, that's love, and that's amazing, and I love that we're getting that kind of press. That's good press. That's good marketing. That's good PR. It's the best. It's Word the of best. mouth, yeah, best stuff out there. Yeah. And then um, as to the tasting menus, I think, John, you lost that round. I think, we, yeah, tasting what? menu. Yeah, so. <laughs> tasting menus are here yeah. to stay. Okay, before uh. we wrap up, this is long, <laughs> let's do quick pet peeves. Oh, okay. oh my Wait. God, we're, we're running long today. We're running long, but it was uh, good. Okay, the pe- okay. my pet peeve of the week is if I haven't right. fulmin- uh, fulminated enough or whatever I do, fumigate, fulminate. Um, restaurants that do pasta. James, you've got it. This is one thing I know we're going to agree on. Yes, sir. Oh, my God. Just because you know how to boil a fucking noodle doesn't mean you can make <laughs> pasta, okay? Yes. And so many restaurants, I see it in steakhouses. I saw it at that Hasselon. They go, oh, we make pasta. Here's a pasta course because people love pasta. Well, you know, pasta is an art. Making it right is an art. And, uh, you know, the restaurants that do it well, and there are literally dozens of great restaurants in this town that do it spectacularly. Yes. And I wish the chefs... Uh, at steakhouses and vegetarian restaurants, and people just slapping things on a noodle would go away. It's a huge thing, and I've, I generally I get it when somebody forces it on me, but I'm invariably disappointed unless I'm in Al Salito Posto or Brezza or or Bala or uh, Vetri, or uh, uh, restaurants, uh, Milano, the, my, my gals in the south end of town. These people, you guys think about pasta all the time and how to cook it, how to sauce it. So yes. stay away from pasta, chefs, unless you're an Italian restaurant. Okay. Even, so, no, it's so got to be an Italian restaurant that treats pasta like a labor of love. I, I agree yeah, with you. Yes. Yeah, like we have three full-time staff members working on pasta at Esther's. Three full-time. Okay. Here's the thing is we make pasta every single day. We make it for 24 hours a day. All right. It is a huge endeavor. What I hate, and I will agree with you, if you put cream in your pasta and it's not pasta al limone, Mm. you fucked up. (laughs) Right? If you're not actually trying to extract starch from the noodle to create the emulsion, you fucked up. Yeah. Don't take things, plop them on a plate, don't pre-cook noodles and then bag them. That's what causes people who are like, I can't eat pasta in America. What it is is they boil pasta, they shock it, or they don't shock it, and then they bag it and leave it for three or four days. If you have bags of pasta in your restaurant, throw them away. Just cook pasta fresh from dry the it. way they do it in Italy and serve it crunchy right. the way they do it in Italy yeah. or don't do it or make all fresh pasta like we do. You know what they you know? I, I always I've used this a million times. Pavarotti said, "Pasta waits for no man. Pasta is good, literally fresh within five minutes. Be served and eaten within five minutes of coming off the stove." And it's like you know, I all right. So I'm here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick on you because I love you. Uh-oh. You hate the microplane cheese on on pasta. No. Right. Here's my thing. Do you know what happens if that pasta sat for more than thirty seconds with cheese on it? What? 
the fucking cheese melts, so you know it was out of the pan 30 seconds ago. <laughs> so the thing that you hate is the indicator of the quality you love. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Uh, Sam, I, do you have a peeve? I, okay, Pam, you're next. we got to wrap this up. i got to get to lunch. At Cipriani. There okay. you go. Sam, I think we, we lost Sam. I don't. I, <laughs> no I, peeve. Sam has been the forgotten I, man today. <laughs> Hey Sam, this you is know, one of our I'm, best shows. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not. I have no peeves today. I, I'm good. I'm not going to rant. I'm gonna zero peeves to, to give. Ash. Well, uh, <laughs> mine's easy. If you're going to have a hostess stand at a hostess stand, have them actually greet people when they walk in. I've walked into several restaurants where the hostess just stands there and stares at me and waits for me to say hi. And I'm like, that's uh, not hi. how this dynamic works. My name, yes, my name is, yeah, exactly. It's like, hi, welcome to Double Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wait, Tell me, talking, like, your, your job as a hostess is to, to be the first and last impression of every single guest. You are the ambassador of the restaurant in the best and worst times of their day. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's it. your job. That's it. That's you it. You got to be able to take it on the chin and smile. Yeah. And you got to be able to say thank you so much for coming in, and you never miss it. Well, mm. the guys, this was really fun. I had some fun, rapid questions for you, Chef Trees, but we might have to come back. <laughs> next time. I mean, next time. The, the next time, because I want to get your take on what you think of people who eat their steak with ketchup. Yeah. Honestly, it, it's just, eat, just eat your food the way you want to eat it. I, mean, I like this well guy. Done with ketchup. I like well this guy. You Don't know, say it's anything, John. Probably better with ketchup. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, You're basically I, eating a hamburger. Yeah, I mean, just eat I a hamburger. Totally agree. No, yeah, no, except for we all know that we don't put ketchup on hamburgers. Yeah, well, I which like we it. all can agree. On. I know. Well, yes, I agree. Hot on that. Dogs. Okay, well, yeah. folks, you've uh, you've edified endured. yourself and endured another sixty minutes of eat talk repeat. Tell us your thoughts at all the socials. At this eat, talk, is one repeat, of our At Ash the attorney. I appreciate at you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to James Trees. James Trees. El Posto. Yes, Ada's. We're having a burger throwdown at Sam's. You know that, right? All right. All right. Bobby. <laughs> Good night, Canada. Canada.